How many of you recognize this woman? Raise your hand. How many recognize this woman? How many out there? I see one, two, three hands, four hands. Okay. Now, I'm going to put her in a different context. Then I want to see how many recognize her. How many recognize this woman? <laughs> oh, yeah, that woman. <laughs> yeah. The berated, bullied, abused bus driver. Back in June, there were four seventh graders who decided they'd have some fun. And so what they did is one had a phone camera and the other three decided to bully this bus driver and get it on video and then put it on the Internet. And you've maybe seen the video or experts, excerpts of it. What these boys do is they, uh, they really hurt this bus driver emotionally. They call her all kinds of profane names. They make fun of her appearance, her age, her job. When she starts to cry, they say she's crying for another box of Twinkies. They demand that she says her address on the tape in order that they might come and egg her home, urinate upon it, and stab her. Unbelievable. Well, this video went viral. It really went viral. And as people watched it, they couldn't believe it. And there was one individual who felt so bad for this woman, he set up an account on a fundraising site and said, let's give this woman, Karen Klein, a vacation. And so people started to give $5, some gave hundreds of dollars, and then a couple hours it was $2,000, and then $5,000, and it just kept going up and up and up until finally she received a check for $700,000. And she said, I'm retiring. <laughs> Which is a very good decision. She also took $100,000 of that and put it toward an anti-bullying foundation. Well, what causes people to give to a stranger that they see in a video? Well, it's something that God has put within all of us, and that is compassion. Compassion, it starts with empathy, being able to feel what another person feels, to be in their shoes, and then to take action. The action is the compassion, and therefore they gave, and that was compassionate action to meet the needs of this woman after going through this horrific experience. Well, we all have that ability, but Christ followers, our desire to be compassionate is supercharged because we have Christ living within us. We have an unbelievable capacity to be compassionate because Jesus Christ is within us. 
And that's what we're talking about. Last week we started this new series called A Call to Compassion. We are heart strong for our community. We want to be a church that is known to be compassionate. We're starting this journey out together and how we can explore to how we can make a difference in our community. Last week we talked about compassion for the hurting, looking at the Good Samaritan, praying for the eyes of compassion. And this week we're going to talk about compassion for the hopeless, looking at the least of these. I want you to open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 25. I always encourage you to bring your Bibles with you. I want you to be reading and studying your Bible. But take it out now and turn to Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to look at verses 32 through 46. I'll give you some context here. This is the sheep and goats judgment. Now, when Christ comes back, it's my belief as I study the Word of God, that there will be seven years called the tribulation when God's wrath will be poured out on the world. Very, very difficult seven years. It's also my belief that Christians will be raptured, they'll be taken up into heaven before this time starts. But at the same time, during the tribulation, people will come to Christ. People will choose Him after they see what's going on. Most people have hard hearts, but there will be a group of people, a large group of people that become Christ followers. And at the end of the tribulation, and many people will die in the tribulation because God's wrath is being poured out, but at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ will come back, the second coming, to establish his reign upon the earth. And so he's going to gather everybody who's still alive at that time for the sheep and goat judgment that we're about to read about. So look, we read in verse 32. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Now, where does this idea come from, sheep and goats? Well, shepherds back in that day many times herded sheep and goats together. They were intermixed. But they would separate them when they fed them, and also when they rested, because sheep were very gentle and docile, easily frightened animals, and goats were unruly, rambunctious, fearless animals. So when they got together to eat or sleep, it just did not work. So they separated them. So we see this idea, this image of Jesus separating the sheep from the goats. The sheep being Christ followers, and the goats being unbelievers that are coming out of the tribulation time. He says uh, that uh, it says he will place the sheep on his right. And that, that's significant because the right hand in biblical times was a symbol of authority. It was a symbol of blessing. It was a symbol of inheritance. So they are on his right hand, and the goats are on his left. Then in verse 34, Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation 
of the world. Now, this is a very important verse to understand before we go on, because if we don't understand this, we might think by the following verses that a person earns their salvation. So it says, Then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. So the blessing comes from God. That's a source of blessing. We don't earn the blessing, but it comes from God. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Inherit the kingdom. Now, if you inherit something, typically you're part of a family. So if you're inheriting a kingdom, that means you're a child of God already. Prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So that speaks to the fact that God chooses us to be part of His family before the world ever began. So basically He's saying, Come, blessed children who I chose before the foundation of the world. So it's all about God. It's all about how He saved us, not about what we do. Now let's go on to the next couple verses with that understanding. So Christ says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Now, it's very important to understand These are not the things that saved these individuals. These things are a result of Jesus Christ living within a person. If you truly have received the gift of salvation, Jesus Christ is within you. Righteousness is going to flow from you because you have been made righteous. You don't become righteous through your good deeds. But you've been made righteous by Christ, and as He works within you and restores you, good works will just naturally follow because He's inhabiting you and transforming you from day to day. Very important to understand. So these are a result of the righteousness that God gave to these people who are Christ's followers. Now we go on here. Notice, of course, that Christ says, you've done all these things for me. Then it says, then the righteous. Now, why are they righteous? Are they righteous because they made it through the tribulation? Because they didn't turn on Jesus Christ? No, they're righteous because they accepted Christ's righteousness at the point of their salvation. That's why they're righteous, not because of things they did. Then the righteous will answer him saying, I didn't see Jesus anywhere. They said, Lord. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison or visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, let's take a close look at that last verse. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, what's the least of these? Well, we get kind of a hint here from these verses. 
people who are hungry, people who are thirsty, people who are strangers, people who need clothing, people who are sick, people who are in prison. Those are the least of these. But what does these mean? Well, I think we can think of all the people in a culture. These, the people in the culture, the least of the people in the culture. So when we think about the least of these, the least in our culture, one might say, we think about the poor. We think about the disadvantaged. We think about the handicapped. We think about the uneducated. We think about the imprisoned. We think about the alien. We think about the immigrant. These are the least of these. These people you do not see in commercials pushing products. You don't see these people being interviewed on talk shows. You don't see these people in popular magazines being highlighted. No. Our culture does not value these people. Our culture would rather ignore these people. But Jesus Christ is saying, you, you took care of the least of these. Now, let's think about this for a moment. He's saying, when you ministered to the least of these, it was like you were ministering to me. Hmm. Let's say that one day you wake up and there's a knock at the door. And you go to the door and it's Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't believe it. It takes you a while just to take it in. And, and Jesus says to you, I need your help today. And you stand there and you think and you say, well, Lord, <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but it's Monday and I got, I've got a lot of deadlines. I didn't get anything done last week. So I've got like tons of work on my desk. And, and I just have to get in today because there's so many things that I have to do or I'm going to be in real trouble. And then I'm going to get home and I've got to take the kids a bunch of places. I've got to do some shopping. There's no food. Uh, maybe tomorrow. How about if you come back tomorrow? Then I can plan it out better. I can tell my boss I need a day off. Uh, I can, you know, arrange other things. Would that work? Is that how you'd respond? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you'd say, Jesus, come on in, of course. I'll help you. And you call work and say, hey, listen, I can't make it in today. Jesus is here with me. You might want to rephrase that. I'm not sure. But <laughs> you're clearing the calendar. Well, what do you want, Jesus? You're the most important thing. Nothing else compares. All right. I think we'd all respond like that. Now, let's start over again. Tomorrow morning, there's a knock at the door. And it's your neighbor from down the street, a neighbor who has all kinds of challenges in their life, the neighbor who other people really don't want to socialize with because they're very needy, um, it's just maybe, maybe a difficult person, 
And they say, I need your help today. How, how are you going to respond to that? You see, friends, according to this passage, Jesus is at the door. You say, no way is that person Jesus. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Far from Jesus. <laughs> but no. What he's saying is, I'm at your door. I'm that woman. I'm that man, that neighbor who's so needy. How are you going to respond? Does that make sense? When you think about it, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? What Jesus Christ is saying here. That really kind of turns everything around because so many times we get caught up in the value system of our world and we view that person like everybody else does. I don't have time for you. <laughs> you know, come back another time, way in the future. But Jesus Christ is calling us to love the least of these. Now let's look at... The contrast here. Let's look at the goats. Verse 41. The unbelievers. Then he will say to those on his left, the goats, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Now notice it says it doesn't say the righteous will answer. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And when did we not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, why weren't they accepted by Christ? Now, they might have done some of these things. They might have shown acts of passion to different people. Again, it wasn't because what they did. It's because they did not accept Christ's free gift of salvation. They did not repent. They did not give themselves wholly over to Christ. Because if they would have done that, they would have done more acts of compassion and more importantly, through the power of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, with the right motives, that's where it counts with God. So it's not about what these people do in these passages. It's about their decision about Jesus that determines what flows from their lives. This is also a very powerful reminder that this is the end of the tribulation. And these people are sent into eternal judgment. They're sent into pain and affliction. And nobody likes this doctrine. Many evangelicals recently have written it off. And they basically are saying, well, it's all going to work out in the end. They might go to some place like hell or for a time. or There's all different ways to say it, but it's not going to be for eternity. Well, friends, that's what the Word of God says. It's hard to accept, but Jesus talks a lot about it. It's the truth. If you believe everything in the Bible, you've got to, you've got to come to grips with this. And therefore, that's where the urgency of cultivating that gospel relationship comes with. It's not like the neighbor next door has different beliefs and, yeah, that's fine, whatever. No, it's not fine because they're going to spend eternity without God unless they hear the good news. And again, your job is just to share 
They can make their own decision. But we've got to get the good news out. And one of the best ways to get the good news out is by showing acts of compassion. Showing acts of compassion. Well, let's go back to this key verse in Matthew twenty-five forty. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The least of these. When I look at all the different descriptors that Jesus Christ gives, I think about suffering. People who are in suffering, people who are in it. Oh, there's so many people who are suffering today at our men's breakfast. Great time. Men, invite you out to our next men's breakfast. There are two guys there who had just lost their jobs. They lost their jobs. That is an incredible amount of suffering and pain. Some of you who are here today have gone through that experience or in that experience. In fact, I would encourage you, uh, I'd ask you, to write on your communication slip if you've lost your job or if you fear losing your job. I'd like to know that. Okay? So just on the back of the communication slip, just write, looking for job or fear losing job. And I'd like that information if you could do that uh, so we can pray for you. But uh, there was another woman here last night and she was crying while she was singing and I went up to her and I said what's wrong she says my back I just have continual back pain and I, I've known this woman for quite a while and I've never seen her cry nor has she mentioned that she has continual back pain people suffer in silence I talked to another person last night and didn't know her that well but she said that her spouse I just left her a month ago just got up and left no big surprise Talk about suffering and pain. And there are so many of you here who are here today that are incredible suffering. And what Jesus Christ is saying, that those of us who are suffering are part of the least of these. You don't go bragging about your suffering, do you? Like, life is so good for me, I, I just got a divorce. Man, things are going so well, I just lost my job. I can't believe it. This is great news. I just came down with a chronic illness. That's not something our culture likes to hear. It's not like something that celebrates an interruption in life. Oh, poor you, kind of thing. But that's who Jesus Christ asks us to minister to. Those people who are suffering, and there's just an incredible amount of suffering. I mean, suffering is a part of life. It's part of the sinful world that we live in. We will suffer. And if you continue to think you're not going to suffer, you're going to be up for a lot of disappointment and disillusionment. And you're not going to be able to walk with Christ as He desires you to. So the question is, with so many people suffering around us, why don't we respond more in compassion? We can't respond to everybody, but maybe why can't we respond more than we do? Well, sometimes it's just ignorance. That's why we study God's Word. We look, oh, wow, I should be doing that. Sometimes it, we're just maxed out. There's no margin in our life. We've packed our life so tight. That's why, we get, that's why we're all on edge. Because when an interruption comes up, I don't have time for that interruption. We, you know, we <laughs> get upset because, hey, I don't have time for this. Uh, and many, of that time, many times that results from the fact that we're just so selfish. Right? We're just trying to, hey, 
Every day it takes me enough time and energy to take care of my needs, arranging my life, making Dan happy. I don't have time to be concerned about making other people happy. That many times is the issue, right? Sometimes we're afraid, as we talked about last week. We're afraid to get involved with that needy neighbor. We're afraid because when you get involved in a person's life, it can get messy sometimes. As we talked about last week, you need to put up boundaries. You don't have to you know, fully engage <laughs> and say, take me, take all my money. <laughs> no, no. You, you show compassion with wisdom. But we're to show compassion. And I, I think it's so interesting that when Jesus Christ, at this judgment, when he basically sums up what is the primary fruit in a Christian's life. He doesn't say, you took me to church. He doesn't say, you taught me how to do ministry. He says, you cared for the least of these. That's what our faith is all about. It's about caring for suffering, hurting, disadvantaged people. That's what we're to put our energies toward. In John 13, Jesus lays out how we are to be marked as Christians. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you love are also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the thing that should mark us differently from every other organization in this area is the tremendous love that we have for one another and also the love that we have for people in our community. When you look at the early church, it's amazing. You start out with 120 disciples and 3,000 people come to Christ and it spreads, like, it spreads like wildfire throughout the Roman Empire. Obviously, God can do anything. But it's very interesting sociologically to look at how the early church attracted so many people to it. What was the one thing? The one thing that made the church unique? It was compassion. It was love. You've heard stories like how back in that day, uh, Roman families really wanted sons to carry on their legacy. They, they didn't really want baby girls, unbelievably, right? They didn't want baby girls. And so what they would do is if they had a baby girl and didn't want her, they would place her by the side of the road and just let her die from exposure and fantasize. But what Christians would do is sometimes they would come along and they would pick up that baby and they would bring that baby into the family and adopt it as their own. Incredible compassion, right? When a plague swept through a town and everybody ran for the hills, the Christians were the one who stayed and cared for those who were sick, risking at their lives, risking their own lives, and many times dying themselves. That communicated something to the world, right? When there was a body, somebody had died. Nobody was taking care of it. It was the Christians who, who made arrangements for a proper burial, a dignified burial, whether it was a poor person or a wealthy person. Many times at the slave block, 
when a slave was being auctioned off, there would be a Christian there with resources. And they would buy that slave and they would free that slave. Incredible compassion. And they rocked the world. In fact, one critic of Christianity back in that day, he says they continually, he says this, he says they continually attract worthless, contemptible people, idiots, slaves, poor women and children. Now, he was trying to criticize them, but that was the highest compliment, right? Because they said, we love you all, no matter who you are, whether you're somebody in this culture or you're the least of these. Come, Jesus Christ loves you. We love you. That's what made the church unique, and that's still what makes the church unique. We are counter-culture. We're just not concerned about the beautiful and the wealthy. We're concerned about everyone, whoever God brings our way. You can read this. Uh, Julian, the last emperor of Rome, tried to revive paganism. He built temples and spruced them up, but Christianity was spreading faster than he could compete with. In the midst of this, he wrote to a friend, a pagan priest, and he said this, Nothing has contributed to the progress of superstition of these Christians as their charity to strangers. The impious Galileans provide not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. Now, he was trying to gain political power, but he realized that there was a whole group of people who were being ministered to by Christ followers and people were becoming Christ followers because the Romans could care less about charity. They could care less about people in need. So the church was really kind of the safety net. They're the ones who caught these people who were suffering with these different things like hunger and clothing and basic needs. And so therefore, that's why so many people were attracted to them and the emperor realized he couldn't beat them because their love was so powerful. You see, friends, people are not going to be impressed with Springbrook because of our building. We had a thousand voters come through this past uh, Tuesday. Over a thousand. <laughs> we have five precincts. Praise God we can use our building for that purpose, right? And one guy came in and Pastor Rich overheard him saying, Is this a church? <laughs> I must not read signs. <laughs> Missed the cross. Thought we were some type of corporate office. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because people are not going to be impressed with our church. They don't care how many cars are in the parking lot, how often we have gatherings here. That doesn't mean anything to them. But you know what matters to them? This matters to them. This picture right here. That was this Friday afternoon from 4 to 6. We had the mobile food truck paid by your heart strong resources. Served over 150 people, a week's worth of groceries. That's what people see. That's what people hear about. And that's what creates buzz in the community. This church has a heart for people who are hungry. Or when 40 to 50 sailors come on Thanksgiving, and people hear about that one way or another. They say, there's a church that cares about others. Or when they might hear about our angel tree ministry this year. And we give gifts to children of people who are incarcerated. They hear about this 
this type of thing, and they say, wow, there's something different about those people. And that's where we want to grow. We want to grow this heart of compassion in order that we might love other people, most importantly, that we might love them to Jesus. Look at Matthew 5, 14 through 16. We read, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we live in a very dark world. We live in Satan's world. He's in control of this world. And he does everything he can to encourage people to sin and to throw their lives away, most importantly, to keep them from the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're a city set on a hill. And we need to cast our light out to these people. We need to show love to them. And this is not the center of where it happens, right here in this building. No, no, no. It's when we're out in the community. We're casting our light to our neighbors. And how do we do that? How do we cast our light to our neighbors? By caring for them. By meeting their needs by showing compassion to them, by getting involved in their lives. That's how you show light. Notice what it says here. That they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. Well, they're not in this building. They're not here right now to see your good work of going to church. And it is a good work that you're here. Uh, worshiping the Lord, and they're not in our small groups typically. They're out there. And we've got to get out there, and we've got to show compassion for our neighbors, for the people that we work with, for the people that are part of our sports teams that we're involved in, or other civic opportunities. We need to continue to pray, God, give me the eyes of compassion and lead me to take action, to show love, as you've commanded here, because that's when we that's when we send off the light. Here's a picture of a light bulb. Right? And here's a question that all of us need to, to ask. How great is our wattage? What wattage are you? Are you sixty, forty, eighty, one twenty? How bright a light are you shining? Think of, think about this just last week. How much did you Shine. Now, typically when we've talked about this verse in the past, we've talked about sharing the gospel, which I think is a, a good application of it. But there's another application we haven't talked a lot about, and that is compassion. How much have you shown compassion this week? Can you think of any time you've shown compassion this week? Because every time you show compassion, you get a little brighter. And, and, and really, when you start to show compassion... It feeds a desire within you that God is creating to show more compassion, to get brighter and brighter. And as you commit yourself to show compassion in your neighborhood, uh, at your workplace, in some other setting, the more you shine God's light and people eventually are going to ask the question, why is that person so compassionate? And if you pray, God will give the opportunity to answer that question because that's so critical. There's a lot of compassionate people in our world. 
And we're to be the most compassionate, but we're compassionate because of the love of Jesus Christ. Because we want to show God's love through our compassion. We look at November's memory verse. Luke 6.36, be merciful or compassionate even as your Father is merciful. That's our main motivation to be compassionate. Let's read that together. Luke 6.36, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So let's memorize or try to memorize that verse, okay? How do we respond with compassion? Well, let's just look at the things that Jesus Christ talked about. For those who are hungry, well, we had our food truck. Like I... I'd like you to take out uh, this particular insert. These are ways that you can show compassion uh, this week. We have our Thanksgiving uh, baskets. Uh, you can go back to our compassion table, all these activities, go back to our compassion table, pick up an insert, put together a Thanksgiving basket this week, bring it back next week to church. That's a deadline. Uh, you can sign up for loading the truck or delivering the baskets. That's feeding those in need. If a person's thirsty... Well, buy them a beverage. <laughs> okay. I mean, at work, you know. Look for somebody who wants something to drink. If you know what a person likes, the kind of coffee they like, uh, hot chocolate, go to the beverage machine, hey, you want something to drink? Again, somebody who's thirsty. Uh, clothing. Clothing. We're having a winter coat drive uh, for pads. People who are homeless, they stay over, stay over at different churches for shelter. Well, many times they don't have warm enough clothing, so November 24th through December 23rd, we're going to be collecting uh, coats and gloves and hats, and uh, there'll be a box in the lobby entitled Coat Drive, and we want to keep these people warm. That is showing compassion. Then we go on to sickness. Sickness. Well, you know people who are sick in your life. You need to reach out to them. You need to call them. You need to visit them. Send an e-card or email. Just let them know that you're thinking about them. And this is very important to understand, is that we can't necessarily change a person and keep them from suffering. We're all going to suffer, right? But what we can do is walk alongside them. We can encourage them and we can pray for them. And those of you who've suffered, which is all of us, you know what that means, just to have somebody with you, encouraging you, helping you to see the big picture, just listening to you. So you can show compassion in that way. Uh, imprisonment. We talked about our angel tree ministry. We'll be kicking that off in a couple of weeks here. Uh, being able to buy gifts uh, for people who are incarcerated on behalf of them for their children. It's a wonderful ministry. Love. Well, that kind of sums up everything. We have Operation Christmas Child. That's also due uh, next week. All you do is put a a shoebox together, and there's a brochure on the table that you can pick up and what to put in this shoebox. If you want to go to one of the Christian bookstores in Algonquin, one near Coles, Lumstone, and Family Christian Bookstore in the uh, Algonquin Commons, uh, you can get a nice pretty box like this. But you don't need it. If you're really into boxes, you can pick one up. They're free. All right, so let's show compassion. In that way, other areas of compassion, financially struggling, lonely, depressed, single moms, dads, marital issues, parenting issues, we could go on and on here, right? We need to show compassion. And the, th- the thing I love about God is that there's always a bonus. I mean, if he just said, do this, we should do it, whether it's enjoyable or not. But God always gives us great joy when we obey him. Uh, Martin Segelman 
uh, who is a premier psychologist in this day, and he's given his time and energy to trying to find what brings authentic happiness. He's written a book of that name. And so what he did is that he took his university students and he had them uh, do a, uh, a study. And he said to have them go out and do one thing that met their need and then something else that met somebody else's need and then journal about how they felt about it. And this is what he said. He said, the results were life-changing. The afterglow of the pleasurable activity, hanging out with friends, watching a movie, eating a hot fudge sundae, whatever it was, paled in comparison with the effects of the one act of compassion. Isn't that true? Don't you feel great after you meet someone else's needs? Well, that's the way God designed you. And the crazy thing about it, we're idiots. <laughs> we really are. I mean, we devote all our time to getting the right type of lifestyle. It's all about us. When if we would just devote our time to helping other people, God would bless us in ways we could never imagine. Well, here are some next steps. Number one. Again, take out your uh, programs and tear off uh, the communication slip that you have there. And you'll have uh, the name and next steps underneath it. We ask uh, everyone to fill that out, just the names of the adults who are attending. If you're a guest, it's so good to have you. Be sure to stop by our Welcome Center and pick up some uh, brownies. And uh, But, again, uh, fill out these next steps if you feel so led. Number one, I'll pray and seek to do an act of compassion this week and share with Pastor Dan through email. That's what I'd like you to do. Do an act of compassion, and when I get your email, I'll send it out. Just put your email in the front. And uh, then email me back what you did. Say, I bought a beverage for somebody. I called somebody who was sick. It doesn't matter how simple it is. And the, the purpose of this is not to brag about what you did, but I'd like to share next week some of the things that you guys are doing in the area of compassion. And again, anything, anything. I always ask for people to email me. Nobody does. Very few do. I don't know. You don't like me or <laughs> please email me. You know, I, I'm one of those guys who just says, you know, I'm not a Facebook guy. I'm the old school. So I'm still waiting for email. <laughs> who, who, who wants to talk with me, man? <laughs> so just send me an email out of pity. Okay, just out of pity. All right. Number two, I'll pray this week for my gospel friend to come to Christ. Number three, I will pray that God would provide for the financial needs of our family. Number four, I'll meditate on or seek to memorize Luke 6.36. Number five, I'm interested in knowing about, more about membership. Number six, I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, one more thing here. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, we're trying to look at our Christmas Eve service times for Monday, December 24th. So pick one of these times uh, and just write it there that kind of help us figure out where we should put the Christmas Eve time. So 3 uh, p.m., 4 p.m., or 5.30 p.m. Just write that under next steps. I appreciate that so much. All right, let's have our ushers come forward at this time, and we are going to collect our love gifts to the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this Scripture, for these words of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would motivate us, that you would empower us to show compassion this week in a way that we never have. I pray you continue to build a heart of compassion as we move forward here at Springbrook, that we would be known for being people of compassion, not just to show compassion, but to give people the ultimate gift of compassion, and that is your gospel. In Christ's name, amen.